You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, here on a Friday night. We don't usually podcast on a Friday, but uh, I'll take the blame for that one. I was busy. Uh, I would like to say that I did more packing than I did, Frank, but I at least um, started the packing process to, to come over to Milwaukee. But we are here tonight. The Bucks did play. And without Giannis, uh, it, this game was not difficult. Let's just let's just say that. The Bucks beat the Hawks 112 to 86. And I don't even know where you want to start with this one. Chris Milton obviously was fantastic. He had 23 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Ersan, who by the way, I don't know why this surprises me every time I look at it, Frank. He's just 32 years old. Plenty left in the tank for him. 18 points, 17 rebounds. What'd you take from this one? I, uh, you know, I think this is the another very clear example of an infrastructure win, right? I mean, you're missing, you're missing Giannis. Obviously, Bloodso, we're we're kind of used to him being out of late. Um, but again, I mean, you know, we saw probably the ultimate stripped down version of the Bucks when they played in Atlanta yeah. last spring in that game that went into overtime, and you know, ultimately, uh, Trey Young hit that kind of let's be honest, pretty lucky put back uh, to, for the Bucks to lose. Um, I, I don't even remember how many guys sat out that game, but I think it was Eric, Chris, Giannis, all all missing that. That was the yeah. infamous, um, you know, I don't know how many minutes Bonzi Colson played in that game, like 44 or something like that. Uh, and, of course, Tim Frazier going the full 53 as the Bucks went to his own defense for, you know, extended periods to rest Tim Frazier because <laughs> he was going to play the whole game. I mean, that, that was absurdist theater. But um, tonight, obviously, a much much stronger Bucks team relative to that. Um, but as you said, I mean, you know, if, on paper, if the Bucks are going to play a game without Giannis, without Bledsoe, you know, okay, it doesn't exactly take a, a rocket scientist to say, all right, Chris and Brooke – and all the other guys, like, you guys got to go out and make some shots and, um, you know, play the same brand of basketball. Um, but ultimately, obviously, requires the, you know, the old next man up thing um, and, and then some. And, I mean, Chris, what, misses first two shots. And I think at one point hit, like, seven in a row. Uh, and I believe he missed his last five shots, which, yeah. of course, nobody really noticed because it was, you know, kind of completely out of out of scope at that point for them to come back. but. Um, he finishes a 10 out of 19, three out of six from three, eight rebounds, seven assists in 25 minutes. So, um, the triple double watch was, uh, you know, the best defense against the triple double was, was Mike Budenholzer tonight trying to make sure those, those starters didn't play much given the back to back here with Orlando coming to Milwaukee tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I think, uh, Chris, obviously, um, kind of doing what he wanted, um, when Trey Young was in there before he got hurt, <laughs> it seemed like they got switches 
uh, of Chris onto him a couple times. And Chris knew exactly where he wanted to take Trey Young, who's probably about the most hopeless person in the post uh, against a guy like Chris that, that you can think of. And then I think Brooke Lopez, obviously, um, 19 points on 14 shots. Another two for fourth night from three. I think that's, what, four four straight games or so mm-hmm. where he's hit at least 50% from three. And Brooke with five assists and three blocks, uh, plus 27 and only 23 minutes. So, um, yeah, we saw Brooke inside and out in this game, which is pretty fun. We saw a uh, – I don't I, – you know, I want to say glacial facial, but there really wasn't, wasn't enough of the facial component uh, when he went lumbering down the lane for a two-footed – takeoff and and big dunk uh, and you had the the twitter video on your twitter feed of uh of him doing the, the motorcycle rev <laughs> to, to vince carter who i think um i think brooks said that was his uh he was he was brooks rookie i think when when uh brooke was a rookie in new jersey for the nets yeah. back in the day and, and vince was there so uh yeah that was the kind of night it was and i mean i gotta say this too you know when i looked at this matchup you take Giannis out you put ursan in the starting five you got John Collins coming back from his uh, steroid suspension. I mean, we've seen John Collins just dunk all over the Bucks in games that the Bucks have won. Uh, and I just looked at him in that matchup specifically and I thought, yeah, that could be a long night. Or that could be a lot of, you know, Trey Young throwing alley-oops to John Collins, John Collins getting rebounds, dunking all over Ursan. And that did not happen. <laughs> that is not what happened. Uh, Ursan just completely outplayed. John Collins on the night and 18 points on seven out of eight shooting from Urson, 17 rebounds in 24 minutes versus just four out of 14 from Collins and have 16 rebounds. Um, but Urson a plus 37 Collins a minus 34. Uh, and that, that probably told the story of the night. Just does that match up going so far in the Bucks' favor? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you needed to know much else beyond that. Yeah, I was, I was sort of watching this and, and particularly right to, to start the game. Uh, obviously, Brooke gets an end one and he hits a couple of threes and then he, he gets another end one. And I think on the second one, it was Collins that was on him uh, in the post. And you just saw how big <laughs> Brooke Lopez is with, uh, you know, as he's trying to post up either, either Collins or even Fernando. I mean, it, it's just a bunch of young sort of talents, individual talents on the, on the Hawks roster at the moment, but there doesn't seem to be any real structure most of the time it's just like okay Trey Young let's see what you can do dribble the ball a little bit then jack up a, a huge a three or, or try and get to the basket which you know against this this Bucks defense even without Giannis um, it, it's going to be a, a tough night and and John Collins clearly as you said I mean he has had some big games against the Bucks in the past but he looked like a guy that was still trying to uh, work his way back into game shape he was only four for 14 and, and one for six from three but Brook Lopez now, uh, as you sort of pointed to, his last four games, he's been really hot, 12 for 23 uh, from three. And for December, he's up to 37, uh, just over 37% from three now. So, yeah, the last four games obviously has contributed a lot to that. But I think for the most part, it's just good to see him really consistently starting to see them go down because uh, for the first two months of the season, that wasn't the case. But right out the gate, as you know, when you look at this, and I, I think that we've been fortunate enough that Giannis has played so regularly this season, this is only the second game that he's missed, that any time he's not in the lineup, I'm always kind of like, well, I'm not, I don't think the Bucks are going to lose, but I am, uh, you know, a little concerned that if someone doesn't get it going, then, then you could find yourself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, maybe the Hawks at the moment, who've now lost, I believe, nine in a row, are the best team to play <laughs> in that situation, but... With a back-to-back tomorrow or tonight, whenever the, the, you get to listening to this one against Orlando, 
you do want to try and keep the minutes down. And this is the remarkable thing. The only thing I would complain about here, Frank, is that I, I would have liked to see Bud just run Ursa Nui Sober out there for 40 minutes and see if he can get a 30-30 game or, or something like that. <laughs> to really, like in the fourth quarter, if Ursa was just gobbling up rebounds to try and get to 30. Which, by the way, I looked it up. His career high is 25 uh, rebounds way back in 2012. But uh, not only the, the 17 rebounds, as you pointed to, but... Just a cool seven for eight from the field, two for two from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a just a nice, nice looking revenge game for for Ersan. But yeah, I mean the the the, big, the good thing is with the back to back, they got the job done early. And I thought Chris Milton, some of his passes, particularly in the first quarter, you mentioned the scoring. Yeah, he seemed to be having alley oop to Brook. That was, yeah. that was tremendous. Yeah, alley oop. He had a nice bounce pass in there as well. He looked like he was having fun running the offense. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about infrastructure wins, I think a lot of that shows in just the level of discipline that these teams have on defense. And even with the Bucks missing, you know, literally two first-team all-defense players from last year, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's just a degree of discipline and just structure to the way the Bucks play uh, that you compare that to a team like Atlanta. Um, you know, they're just getting back cut. They're mixing up assignments. You know, Ursan, I mean, on, on a few of those, I mean, he just got lost completely, right? <laughs> he just, like, finds himself with nobody around him uh, at the rim. And, and again, I, I mean, look, this Hawks team, they're just not very talented. When you look up, talk about, like, NBA-ready, yeah. you know, bodies, um, you know, you just go up and down that that list. I mean, obviously, Trey Young and, and John Collins are, are legit, I'd say, you know, good NBA players, you know, you can argue how much they give back on the defensive end versus, you know, they're, they're much higher offensive ceilings compared to that. Um, and, you know, I think Herter's a talented guy. I mean, I, I would have picked Herter uh, at the spot where the Bucks picked Dante DiVincenzo. I, mm-hmm. I think we had a, uh, a, a thing in the locked on um, mock draft in uh, 2018. I, I believe we, Eric and I picked Herter in that mock draft for over that's worth. Uh, and, you know, he had a couple of moments tonight where you can see, He's, I think, going to be a very good player, but missed a lot you know, of time just, as well. Yeah, but I mean, he's been out, missed a lot of time. Um, I mean, Herder, ironically, was a plus zero. It's pretty funny to look at this, the 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 box score, right? Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. mentioned Collins minus thirty four, DeAndre Hunter, who also, I mean, the fourth pick in the draft, but he's a you know a very low ceiling guy for a, a fourth overall pick. I think he's going to be probably a solid defender, and you know, if he can make threes, he'll be he'll probably be like a, a good role playing starter, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he, you know, could he be one day like a Shane Battier type? I guess, I guess maybe that's his ceiling, um, but he's not that right now. Um, but yeah, Herder was a plus zero, ironically, which probably just says, you know, he missed some of those bad stretches. And, and Young ends up turning his ankle after 15 minutes. Uh, he was still a minus 25. So we can't exactly say, oh, well, Hawks, they, they they lost Trey. That's why they lost. No, nah, they were getting crushed even <laughs> even before Trey Young went out. But you know, you just look. I mean, Cam Reddish, who I mean. 11 points on 12 shots is probably like very good for him. (laughs) Like he's just a completely inefficient player. Uh, And then you kind of go up and down the roster and, you know, Alan Crabb had himself a bit of a night shooting the ball, but um, you know, otherwise, man, it's pretty, pretty bleak when you look at a lot of the guys here, a lot of, a lot of guys between Crabb, Evan Turner uh, and Chandler Parsons who missed four shots and didn't score in 11 minutes. I mean, it's kind of the, overpaid expiring contract all-stars uh on that bench right there plus just a bunch of guys who you know um just aren't aren't really high level nba players so um so yeah i mean they just you know again and and 
Lloyd Pierce, I mean, I, I don't know what Lloyd Pierce's long-term future looks like um, as the coach in Atlanta, to be honest. Like, I mean, they, they only hired him a year and a half ago. So I assume they wouldn't fire him right now, given the, you know, that was Travis Lank's first hire as a coach. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. It seems like Trey Young's been frustrated this season uh, with the lack of support and just the horrendousness of, of the team around him. But, you know, certainly a big part of their problem is just defense. They, nobody on that team seems to play defense with any consistency. And tonight, I mean, no Giannis. Bucks are 56-32 uh, up in the paint. Uh, interestingly, they only took 28 threes tonight for the Bucks. Uh, and actually, you know, Atlanta hit 12 out of 41, which is under 30%. Bucks 11 out of 28, which so is much better percentage. But it's not like the Bucks, you know, blitz the uh, blitz the Hawks from the perimeter tonight. It was a much more game where Bucks just were able to kind of get whatever they wanted inside, and and that's without you know the most dominating interior scorer in the league right now. So um, I think that just sort of puts puts in perspective just how bad that that Atlanta defense is. And and to be honest, I mean. You know, Bucks offense night only a 105 offensive rating. So the Bucks offense actually was nothing to write home about. This was actually a, probably an excellent defensive performance by, by <laughs> Atlanta starters, uh, by Atlanta's uh, team, kind of by their standards. But again, it was over by halftime, and so you know half the game probably, and you know, probably throw out the window to to some extent. So, um, so yeah, I think just again just kind of the games like this just sort of put in stark relief, just the difference between not just a young roster versus a roster that's obviously much older, much more structured guys who know how to play, but then also just, you know, the coaching staff, the system that they built in Milwaukee versus the one that obviously has not been built in Atlanta. Yeah. And can I just say Trey Young, I know you mentioned that he seems like he's a little bit frustrated and, uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm on my own here, but when I see that and him saying that he needs more help and them telling him there's help on the way, it's like, well, what are you actually trying to do in Atlanta? Because at the moment, they have just got a bunch of young talent, as you said, that don't, it might not necessarily fit together. They might not have the, the greatest ceiling as a young group, but uh, I still think that with you know Collins and, and Herter and then obviously Trey Young, and, and you don't really know what Reddish is yet. I mean, I think for the most part, his, his shooting efficiency is not a huge surprise but um clearly a guy that that they used a, a pretty valuable draft pick on so they, they've got a number of of young guys that they need to either uh hope that they develop or they'll be able to, to flip them or whatever when the time comes that they want to challenge but i'm also just like well you're in your second year like in the league trey young like just chill out a little bit like uh i, I don't know if you sh- if you're in a position to be demanding help on the atlanta hawks but uh we'll see what they do there and i don't, I don't think it's any surprise that when you look at the the collective age of the starting lineup for the Hawks, that, that this was the night that, that Giannis sat. And we should talk about that a little bit because clearly pregame against Philadelphia, I certainly haven't seen anything. And maybe this happens more regularly than, than you think. And the TV cameras just caught up with, with his back. It has been something that's been on the injury report uh, a little bit, but uh, he did look genuinely sore and not that, you know, you can really use it as an excuse. I think that would be taking something away from from the Sixers' defense and Embiid in particular. But uh, he did look visibly sore before the game even started, and everything was tough for him in the paint during that game. And perhaps that played uh, some part in in the way that he struggled to finish the ball. But um, you know, I, I think that for the Bucks, even though his minutes have been down, you really like to get this opportunity. Uh, even if he doesn't play in the back-to-back either, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity to get him uh, some rest. And, uh, 
you know, I think overall for this for this Bucks team, the more that they can do that, I don't think you want to be wrestling him all the time. And I think that the fact that he is playing just around 30 minutes a night is a positive long term. Uh, I, I don't think he needs to be playing through any injuries. Let's just say that because I think already he's seen the result of of what can come from that in in LA, where LeBron wants to be the guy that is the hero that can play through everything and look after the kids so they can come and watch him play. But uh, he's now looking like maybe missing some time on the sidelines with a groin injury. He missed a month last year, over a month with a groin injury. And I, I just don't see that there's no benefit in playing through things at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, he's obviously been on the injury report, as you said, with the back issue. I think Bud said before this game, I mean, they didn't think this was a longer term, like lingering concern. But, you know, the fact that it's shown up a couple of times. Obviously, you, you do worry a little bit about that. I mean, a back is not an, an area you want. Um, it's not exactly a great place to have an injury, just yeah. given how important that is to kind of every movement you make on a basketball court. Um, but I think the flip side was it, it did seem like this was telegraphed as a, you know, this is a back-to-back and, yeah, yeah he's a little dinged up. Let's, let's rest him. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he missed uh, the Saturday night game against mm-hmm. the Magic. Um, for that reason so um, again I you know I think you just look at the the opponent and you say you know we think we can do this without you Um, it's obviously a a luxury to be able to to be able to rest him (laughs) he looked to be in very good spirits on the sideline uh, watching uh, you know among other things the NASA's had a couple of uh, dunks in the fourth quarter which is always always fun to watch which Giannis obviously always enjoys and um, Pat Connaughton dunking uh, who did, who did he get? Was that Damian uh, Jones. Jones? Yeah, Pat Connaughton, a, a very nice dunk, which you might have <laughs> seen off a cut. The 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 total typical, you know, Pat Connaughton cutting down the middle of the lane yeah. um, play, and uh, and so that was a fun little exclamation point in the fourth quarter. That Brooke Brooke, I think Brooke actually had probably the the funniest part of that celebration. But obviously Giannis is never bashful either. So um, and I think Giannis was rebounding and passing during warm is <laughs> now his his thing when he's uh, in street clothes to to do that so um so yeah hopefully this is obviously just a kind of a you know a more of a load management type thing but uh, as you said you know it did seem to be something that um you know who knows how big of a deal it was on christmas um i mean i think you hope it wasn't you hope that he's not really hurt or dealing with anything but you know who, who knows so um again as long as he's obviously just missing games here and there or just kind of protecting him in these back-to-back scenarios. And you can feel okay with that. And obviously, um, you know, the right knee is the, the, the thing that we probably worry more about long-term just given the history with that. Um, so obviously there's kind of a dual benefit, right? If you can keep him from getting wear on anything else as well, when he sits out a game like this, it's obviously a plus. And um, you know, if he had played, I'm going to go on a limb and say we wouldn't have seen very much of him tonight anyway. So um, so yeah, better to just rest him up against an opponent in the magic, obviously, um, you know, I think are certainly more talented and, um, more of a threat to, uh, to, to take a game off you is, you know, we saw the last time these two teams, uh, those two teams played, you know, the magic can, can at least compete with the bucks. Um, you know, I, I still think back to last year when Giannis rested against the magic and mm. magic gave the bucks their worst loss of the season. If I recall correctly, a year ago in, uh, in Milwaukee when, when Giannis was resting. So, um, you know, both teams are coming off a back-to-back. And uh, ironically, of course, the Magic beating the Sixers, who, you know, kind of in, I guess, typical Sixers fashion, they look so great on Christmas Day, and then they come back the next game and, you know, stub their toes and, 
and lose to a, a Magic team in Orlando. Who again? I mean, the Magic are a solid team. I mean, they can do that, but um, but again, it's probably says a lot about the Bucks. You know, that they obviously just kind of keep rattling off these wins even without Giannis, and uh, obviously, you know, a number of games coming up here where uh, you hope that they can take care of business with the Magic Bulls. Uh, and I forget who the, the other the, – there's another bad team I'm, that's escaping me right now that, that uh, is teed up after them. So, um, yeah, no complaints. Well, again, would have rather had the big win on Christmas Day, obviously. <laughs> but ironically, both the Bucks and, and uh, Sixers end up going one-on-one in the – 20, the 25th through 27th period of the year, just not the just not the kind the one that uh, the Bucks would have obviously liked for uh, kind of you know national perception purposes. Yeah, Philadelphia, right back to their usual mark three-point shooting uh, tonight. They only get up 29, which is right on their average or what their average was before. Uh, that Christmas Day game where they where they just just went off for the for, to tie the franchise record with 21 uh, makes, but yeah, for, as far as Orlando go, by the way, Philadelphia now seven and nine on the road this season, which is kind of wild. I mean, they they just seem to really be struggling, and it's not always uh, against good teams either. Uh, they they including in that record, they just scraped past the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. They had another a uh, couple of close losses against uh, let's just say mediocre teams. So. Uh, yeah, certainly home court advantage seems to make a difference for Philly. But yeah, as far as Orlando go, in terms of uh, average is a little bit of a harsh word for these two players. I think they're better than average. They're good NBA players. But as far as non-all-star uh, players go, I think Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross might scare me as much as any uh, non-all-star duo on an on a average NBA team. I just feel like they've consistently crushed the Bucks. <laughs> over the years and maybe Augustine DJ Augustine is another one that you can throw in there and Fournier and Terrence Ross both uh, had pretty good nights tonight against the Sixers but also we saw last time we played Jonathan Isaac with the with the four blocks I think in the first five minutes in that game he's obviously uh, going to be in contention for for all NBA defense so the Magic are kind of kind of pesky we know they made the playoffs last season they certainly expect to to be in the mix this year there's some talk about yeah, maybe whether they'll trade an Aaron Gordon or something like that. I mean, it's kind of a weird collection of talent that they do have. And, and they also don't shoot a lot of threes, which I think plays into the, the Bucks' hands defensively, particularly if you do add uh, a Giannis back um, to, to that lineup. But as you mentioned, it was kind of weird. Like the Bucks had 56 points in the paint tonight against Atlanta, but uh, it felt like it could have been a lot more. They didn't shoot the three a lot. And even a guy like George Hill, who came in and just straight away started getting buckets again, as he has, but it was in the mid-range. He wasn't necessarily shooting from three, but a couple of other weird things when I look at this box score. Wes Matthews, just uh, scoreless. Uh, (laughs) He played 19 minutes, only got up three shots, uh, over two uh, from deep for him. So a couple of Strange games for him on, on Christmas Day. Obviously, he was pretty quiet offensively. And then uh, here tonight as well, uh, on the back of what has been a, a really, really hot December for him, and even all the way back through to, to mid-November, really, he's been uh, excellent offensively, playing that sort of uh, that fifth scoring option starter role. He's been great, but a, a quiet night for him. You already mentioned Pat Connon and picked up 11 rebounds to, to go along with his, uh, his uh, posted dunk, so kind of typical energetic Pat Connaughton tonight on, on the glass. But I, I do want to throw one question at you. And that is with Dante DiVincenzo. For a guy that is as, is as athletic as he is, 
rebounding the ball, breaking up lobs, flying around everywhere on a defensive end. Why can't this guy dunk in the open floor? I, I think the the simple answer um, <laughs> is that he's a he's a two footed leaper, <laughs> and it just seems like to get it's, to get anywhere close to that kind of max vertical, he's got to be like going off of two feet. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, we saw again he broke up another lob tonight, which yeah. he, I'll nominate him as the best guard at breaking up lob attempts uh, in the league. We saw him do that against Anthony Davis as well. Um, you know, he's just got that knack for being around the ball on defense but uh yeah offensively you know we saw tonight he had a kind of a breakaway where he got pushed a little bit and rattled out a dunk did get a foul yeah. call yeah and then had a couple other opportunities i think he had one where you thought maybe he was in a dunk basically on a more or less kind of a breakaway with a guy right right behind him and he ended up laying it up and i think he got some uh some you know some smack from the bench for that but um yeah i don't know it's it i mean more broadly, I think, you know, the issues that he's had this year finishing around the basket mm-hmm. are probably, you know, an obvious area where he needs to improve because he does have, you know, enough quickness and he's a good cutter and obviously he's a rebounder for a guy his size. So he's he's around the basket a lot more than probably a typical 6'4 guy would, you'd expect to be. Um, but he does have sort of an issue. Obviously, last year he was really efficient scoring around the basket, but I think it was mainly because he was just basically getting cuts and fast break opportunities. He wasn't really creating for himself. But I think I think the biggest issue is just probably a lack of you know just physical strength. Um, you know, just he's not he's just not probably strong enough, especially in the upper body. I think that's really. I mean, I think upper body strength is largely overrated in the NBA. You know, they, I think a lot of times with like big guys, you know, people want them to like you know get jacked in the weight room. But you know, really, it's just like your base, your probably your lower core. You know, your your legs and your core, and that's more important, especially if you're a big guy trying to hold position, rebound, things like that. But I do think if you're a guard, you know, not having a lot of strength up top probably does hurt you when you're trying to finish at the basket. And it just it does seem like you know Dante. Um, like when he's just driving and he's going into traffic, it just seems like he doesn't necessarily have a clear idea necessarily of how he's going to try to try to finish. And so the ball just kind of gets, I don't know, just like thrown at the, in in the general vicinity of the rim a lot of times. And, and obviously it ends up being probably a lot more, um, adventurous than, than probably you'd like. So, uh, yeah, I mean, tonight he's three out of eight from the field, only took one, three. Um, finished with 10 points, two rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block, uh, plus 33. So very Dante-like night. Um, but I think, yeah, for him, um, that is an interesting thing to watch sort of as, as he matures, gets stronger, gets older. Um, hopefully that's an area where he can improve because, again, I mean, he's, he's obviously has some ability at times to, to get to the basket, to slash to the rim. Not, not that he's doing it a lot, but uh, if he can start to finish at a better clip, then I think that would certainly you know, be one more thing that – obviously you would, you'd feel good about and gives you, you know, a little bit more of that um, diversity as far as being able to get to the rim and finish. So you might know this. So I looked this up when you started talking there, because I agree as much as I laugh about that and particularly that, that sort of baseline uh, attempt where he sort of just dropped it over the rim because he didn't quite um, get up high enough for the dunk. Uh, he's finishing at the rim. So if I'm looking at basketball reference here, which is obviously before tonight's game as well. If you, had to guess, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but what would you say his field goal percentage at the rim would be? He's had so okay, so he's I, had 77 I, shots at the rim just for just. I, for I would guess. I I feel like I looked at this like not that long ago, and I want to say it was like it was a little below 60 percent. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's sixty-one, and which isn't like completely dreadful, but it, no, and, it's fine. And, it's fine. Yeah. and actually, it's probably higher than I would have guessed, and that's why I asked yeah. you because it does feel like he he sort of gets to the spot and and doesn't quite finish a lot, and so I, I think that that is a positive thing with him. I mean, you spoke about uh, strength potentially being a factor. I also just think sometimes he he probably rushes a little bit, and uh, and, and certainly at times seems like he has more space than than even he thinks he does so that's that's certainly a room for improvement but the the fact that you you feel like that's a sort of a noticeable thing and he's still getting uh 61 of of those shots is, is not too bad and you know if he can continue to refine that because that's i think the big thing with him is just refining that offensive game obviously we speak about the three point three point shot a lot which is going to be uh you know really important for him to 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 get that percentage up to a, to at least an average mark down at around 33 now but uh, you know, he's a guy that, that is not quite a finished project yet. And uh, I think that that's, you know, pretty reasonable considering he is uh, only 50 or so games into his, uh, his NBA career. So it's sometimes and, easy to forget that. Yeah. And I think part of it too, cause like we're kind of spoiled with how good like everybody else is on this team at yeah. at the rim. I mean, you just look at some of the other numbers this year and a, a big part of the story here is, is the volume between these two guys. I mean, I think Dante and Pat are probably the, the, the most obvious guys to compare just because you know they're they play roughly you know they're both essentially shooting guards I think Dante obviously maybe plays a little bit smaller defends more point guards obviously but um, they obviously can play similar roles they're both good cutters they're both white guys with you know massive vertical leaps which is the <laughs> obvious way to typecast them but um, you know Pat shoots uh, 36% of his shots at the rim Dante's at 36.5%. So they have a very similar shot distribution. They probably have the closest shot distribution of any two guys, or certainly if you want to find a guy who has a similar shot distribution as Dante, um, it's Pat. So very similar, I would say, in terms of the types of you know shots that they're taking. Now, I would I would guess um, I would guess that you know Dante's taking tougher shots, and I think that bears out in the assisted percentage numbers. Only 52% of Dante's shots, um, two-point shots, are assisted versus 81% of Pat's. But Pat's shooting 75% at the rim versus that 61% mark for, for Dante. So it, I think it's interesting, but I think that assisted number probably tells you that Dante is you know, having to work a bit more or he's creating more of that himself. And again, not to diminish what Pat's doing because being a good cutter and just being around the basket, obviously, um, I mean, that's a skill. It's not like you know, the only skill is, is dribbling to the hoop and, and finishing without an assist or something like that. So, um, so that, I think it, it's interesting to compare those two guys, but, but yeah, I mean, lots of guys on this team are just shooting outrageously high percentages at the rim. I mean, George Hill, 71%, Bledsoe, 73%, Middleton, 69%, which is a career high. Wes Matthews at 73%, even though he's clearly not a guy that you would look at and say, Oh, Wes Matthews is, you know, a great driver and finisher. I mean, you saw again tonight, he just, didn't have the explosiveness got swatted when he tried to get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, DJ Wilson, super small sample, 87%, right. Which is <laughs> kind of a joke, but Giannis is the gold standard and he's at 78% this year, which is phenomenal. And ironically, Brooke Lopez is probably the worst. <laughs> he's at 57%, mm-hmm. which is a little surprising. I'm kind of wondering like, I mean, there's some of those like tip, like tip ins he's missing. Like how is that number that low? We, we talked about him missing some bunnies of late, but that still surprises me that 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 number would be uh, would be as low as it is, but at least that three point percentage number is is headed north, and, and he was thirty one point five percent coming into this game, and it's two out of four again. So 
um, at least that's sort of going in the in the right direction. And and he's at least passed his his brother in terms of three point percentage. So at <laughs> least that at least that degree of order has been restored. Yeah, well, actually, Robin, you saw he, he thought maybe he had a three late in this one, but uh, look yeah, what was on the line. So, yeah, he'll be he'll be ruining that one. But yeah, I mean, we started this podcast. You you mentioned the system, and I, I think that that's part of it. I, I I'm not I don't want to diminish these these players' finishing ability at the rim, but we've spoke multiple times as well about Chris Middleton, how well he's finishing at the rim through uh, this season, and and that is the system. I mean, you have a guy like Giannis who. Uh, obviously draws as much attention as as just about anyone on the league in the league, and then you you space the floor with with shooters, which the Bucks have right up and down the roster. There's just so much space to operate, and I think that you know that's been the thing uh, when we look at some some of the other teams, and even you know a team like the the two contending teams like the Lakers and Sixers. I think that's part of their problem a lot of the times so that they don't have that space in, and uh, Bud and 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 the Bucks have been able to put this roster together that seems to, to complement each other really well. And, and, and it's paying dividends and particularly on a night like tonight where they do miss Giannis and, and Bledsoe, but uh, they just don't miss a beat. They, they blow out the Hawks from start to finish and uh, 28 and five ain't too bad. I, I think that uh, because they're losing so infrequently, I think when they do, you are kind of so shocked and then you sort of have to remind yourself, Oh, well, you know, 28 and five is a, pretty pretty decent record they're, they're rolling with at the, at the, at the moment nearing uh new years but uh yeah they do have orlando tonight and uh i think i don't know you, you you're probably gonna miss it you you'll be on the road i know i will be i'll be, I'll be traveling so uh this one will be interesting but uh, i think we might be both out for this one yeah i'll probably be uh driving uh south uh from wisconsin during this game um but i'll have to find Ted Davis on my yeah. uh, serious my serious XM radio, uh, and then I'll, I'll hopefully be able to catch at least part of the game on on my phone whenever I get to whatever hotel I'm staying at tomorrow. So um, so yeah, I guess we'll fingers crossed that you know kind of Bucks continue to play as they expect and grind out the wins that you kind of expect them to to grind out. Um, and you know again Orlando coming off a narrow win over Philly, obviously. Uh, neither team's going to have a rest advantage, at least on paper. But, you know, in practice, the Bucks not having to play any of their starters more than 25 minutes and being able to rest Giannis entirely, obviously, that, you know, in theory should obviously give them give them an advantage there. So um, we'll have to see if that actually bears out. Um, because as you said, I think certainly there's enough talent on that Magic side. Um, and they have enough, I think, athletic bodies that they can throw at Giannis to at least make his life a little bit difficult, even if Ultimately, they have not been able to slow him down particularly in either of the games this year. But, um, you know, again, I mean, this is just sort of the Bucks have been very good in part because these are just games that they win. And obviously, it's just, you know, taking care of business. And, you know, hopefully Saturday night they continue to do that. Yep, back at home after a couple of games on the road looking to pick up win number 29. We'll wait and see whether Giannis plays. I tend to sort of agree with Frank. I think that this was a... By design, with the with the back to back up here and uh, returning home on a on a Saturday night, I, my hunch is that he's going to play. But I guess we will find out in the, in the pregame tomorrow. But we'll leave it there for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys next time.